25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Howdy ho! On the radio. What's up? Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team. Your local Farm Bureau insurance agents. It is Thursday. Holy cow. How'd Thursday get here so quick? (laughs) Seems like we just started this week. But it is Thursday already, and uh, that means one day closer to football. You've got high school football going to happen. And what are we? I think most, not all, but most of the classifications are into the playoffs now. Are they? Are we Are we still got regular season games left? I know we're close. And then, uh, of course, a huge, huge game this weekend in college football. You get into November, you have these weekends where even if your team isn't playing or even if your team doesn't have a huge game, there still are these outside teams and games that draw your interest because they have so much impact. And that's the case with this LSU-Alabama game in Tuscaloosa this weekend that we'll all be paying attention to. And I'm good and excited about the NFL. You know, you get the NFL season into November, things start shaping up. And it's not that... You know, I, I look for a re. I don't look for a reason to veer any of my focus or attention away from college football. I love college football, obviously, and we we love it around here. You know, we cover it kind of wall to wall, January to December. But the NFL just it's king for a reason. You know, thirty two teams and salary caps and parity and you know it's a a, a huge Vegas betting line in the NFL is like 10 points. That's huge. Holy cow, 10 points in an NFL game is just an abnormality. Well, in college, yeah, we know that's different. You know, about half the games, it seems like, throughout the year, you know, 20 points, 25, 30, and all these blowouts and stuff. It's just different. I mean, the the, the idea – we talked about this some on yesterday's show. People out here that look at the four-team college football playoff and say, well, it's perfect. It's the way it is. It's perfect. It just needs to stay that way. It's really short-sighted. It, it, because, you know, one of the sticking points is, oh, we're protecting the integrity of the regular season. The excitement of the regular season in college football every week means something. No, it doesn't. Every week means something in the NFL. Because they have... How many teams get in the NFL playoffs out of the 32? Like, I mean, you're talking about not half, but what, a third of the teams go to the playoffs? (laughs) I mean, mean, that might be a slight exaggeration, but not much. And so you got eight and eight teams going to the playoffs. Every week means something in the NFL. It's impactful. 
It's just not that way in college football. But we still love college football, the pageantry, and and here in the SEC. So everybody looking forward to that um, this weekend. Hey, you can be a part of the show. Let me set you up on that first. I'd love to hear from you today. It's always good to chat it up on the Divinity Equipment phone. 995-1059. That is a 601 number. 995-1059. So give me a shout. 601 number. That'll get you in on the phone line. And you can also text the show. 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number also. 885-ESPN. Or... The number itself is 885-3776. That is the text line that'll get you in. Got Twitter up and going. It's at Radio Wyatt on Twitter. Hit me up there also. You know, I guess, I don't have to say it, but if we're talking about it, the truth is this week, for state fans anyway, because your team's on an open day, you know, you whipped up on Arkansas last week, so you didn't just win state blew the doors off of uh, Arkansas's team on the road. So that felt good for state fans, and it it gave them a little room to breathe. I I honestly believe that for everybody, the most critical part of state's fan base and those who weren't the most critical yet, still for everyone that came out of that one and just kind of went, took a deep breath. Everybody can unclench. (laughs) Exactly, Roger. That describes it perfectly. Everybody can unclench. And then to follow that up with an open date this week, it just feels like state fans are a little bit sort of taking the week off. Just in everything. And I'm okay with that. I've seen less of my Mississippi State friends on Facebook and on Twitter. Even in general conversation around town, when I bump into people, I've had less people even bring up football. It's like they're just taking a week off. (laughs) And, and you get two open de- dates throughout the year, and why not do that? And in our state this week, you pair that with the fact that Ole Miss, you know, they're coming off that loss at Auburn. They weren't supposed to beat Auburn, but they had a chance to. But still, the way they lost it, even though they weren't supposed to, was kind of a, a gut punch. But everybody knows Ole Miss going to blow the doors off this New Mexico or New Mexico State team. Who is it they play? I get, always get them confused. <laughs> Which one is it? Is it New Mexico or New Mexico State? <laughs> Don't laugh. I think it's New Mexico. New Mexico State. Okay, so it's New Mexico State. I had to grab State. the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you had it handy, Don. Of course. No, yes. If, yeah, if handy is directly behind me. Because <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you, Roger, if you had it memorized, I was about to walk out. And I was just going to walk out. Like, you know. That's for you color guys. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to, but heck, I guess maybe One I'm. One week at a time. That's what you do. Well, maybe I'm sort of taking the week off, too. I don't know. But anyway, it's a 3 p.m. game on the SEC Network, and New Mexico State is 0 and 8. Okay, Ole Miss going to get their fourth win. Look at this. Ole Miss is a 30-point favorite in this ballgame. Think about that for a minute. Whatever your record is here in the state, it could be a lot worse. Look at that one. It could be a lot worse. New Mexico State's 0-8. Ole Miss, a 3-6 team, is a 30-point favorite. When's the last time Ole Miss was a 30-point favorite over somebody? (laughs) So they know they're going to run them out of the stadium, and I think so there's a kind of sort of a just a – uh, a settling right now among the Ole Miss fan base because, yeah, I mean, they're going to win, but after they didn't pull off the upset at Auburn, looking at the schedule sort of kind of takes Ole Miss out of the bowl conversation, right? 
Because you're sitting there at three wins, and you've got to win the last three to be in a bowl. That's it. And the last three games are New Mexico State win, but then hosting LSU, which looks like a likely loss, and then at Mississippi State, which is a toss-up. It's a winnable game for Ole Miss, but it's also a very winnable game for State, and it's in Starkville. So winning out is tough with that LSU game in there. Stranger things have happened, but I think that's kind of where we are, is across the state, I just think right now, this is a week when I just think across the state, everybody has this week flipped the switch for a few days. They're taking their mind off of football. The urgency and the angst has gone away for a few days. And everybody in our state, collectively state and Ole Miss fans this week, are just thinking about other stuff. They're thinking about getting the Christmas decorations down at some point. They are... You know, they're they're going deer hunting, Roger, because the yeah, season. You yeah, know what I mean? I just absolutely. think that's what people are doing this week. What were you going to say? Well, the Ole Miss has the, the week off before the Egg Bowl. I mean, would you trade that for the week off before Alabama, given that Alabama is probably a lost cause? I mean, oh, yes. Hope. Yes, no doubt. No doubt about it. If, you know, no doubt. If State could flip this and have the open date before the Egg Bowl. But, you know, they're going to play Abilene Christian – at home the week before the Egg Bowl, it's a game where uh, State will be able to play a lot of people. There will be a whole bunch of freshmen who are and first-year players who are redshirting who will actually play in that game because of the four-game rule and stuff like that. So, and maybe, maybe the triumphant return of the rest of the team. Oh, yeah, right. Well, they won't play in that Get one, though. Get your defense back. No, they won't play in that one. Uh-uh. uh they're going to play. Okay, that's going to be the gimme game. I yeah, guess. uh-huh. They'll get the full complement of players back for the Egg Bowl, meaning all the suspended guys will play in that one. And I think that pretty much that's all they have left, given the other games they've played in. If we were to, you know, if we were to add that whole thing up, uh, I'm getting ready to come to Bill on the uh, text line. Uh, but first, here, I'm sorry, Bill on the phone line. But first, on the text line, Nick. To the comment I made earlier about the regular season, Nick said there used to be three to four big games every weekend in college football. Now there's one at the most. Is it scheduling, TV executives, or what? It is scheduling. Okay, number one, yeah. It is there is each year since the institution of the four-game playoff, there is less and less parity in these leagues instead of more parity in these leagues. Is Nick not excited about the Georgia-Missouri game? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, come on, Nick. Georgia versus Missouri. I mean, come on, man. No, um, but the other thing is, this is a year where you have two open dates. So everything is really spread out, and the better teams really manipulated their schedules where you have an extra open date in there as well. So there have been more weekends where better teams aren't even playing as compa- compared to years past, too. So that's part of it. Uh, comment here from an unnamed texter that says, I think every week matters more in the NCAA. You can't afford to lose more than one game and make the playoff unless they expand the playoff to 8 or 16. But listen, that's pie-in-the-sky thinking. I understand the premise. I do. But there are 127 football bowl subdivision teams playing. Is it 127 or 128? We're talking about four teams getting in the college football playoff, and the rest were just playing for one more game. A bowl game. Means more. So, I mean, 
it's that's pie in the sky thinking. In the NFL, you have 32 teams, and like a third of them are going to the playoffs. Every single snap is huge to their seasons. And oh, by the way, their playoffs are multiple levels. <laughs> it ain't just one game and and go play the championship. Um, and then finally, unnamed texture says, Matt, you have to admit in the NFL you can sit starters the last week or couple of weeks because you know you are in the playoffs. Heck, you can sit players during the season for a game because a player isn't 100%. That's because one game doesn't matter in the NFL. That is, um, he says. And then he says, in college, that is never the case. You can't afford to lose one game, much less a second one, and play for a championship. I get it. That's great logic. If you are Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and LSU, give me another one. Give me another team that has a roster with a legitimate chance to beat those guys. Auburn? I mean, but come on. Florida? I mean, not there. What I'm telling you is the diff- the gap between the number one team in the league, we're talking, we're talking college football, the gap between the number one team and the number 10 team is the is massive. How big is the gap in the NFL between the number one team and the number 10 team? Seven points every time they play? So you can tell me all about how, oh, well, if you lose two games, you're out. Yeah, well, that's 115 teams who going into the year know they're going to lose two games or more. It, it You know, the exclusivity of the four-game playoff, sure, it's great. It's great in theory. But in college football, we recruit our players. And we do it, we do it against the rules <laughs> without anybody whatsoever to monitor the whole thing. So the rich are going to get richer. It is an exclusive party. It is not a – ask UCF. I don't, UCF can go undefeated until the – you know, the cows come home and they do not have access to the four-team playoff. Go undefeated again, UCF. Doesn't matter. You're not in. Period. End of story. Memphis, go undefeated all you want. SMU, great story. Fine. Go undefeated. Fine. You ain't getting in the playoff. Period. One loss, Georgia's in before you are. Every single time. All right. Bill N. Jackson on the Divini Equipment phone line. What's up, Bill? Matt, I've got two proposed rule changes I'd like to see for the 2020 college football season. I wanted to throw this open and see what your listeners thought about this. The right. first one is to award four points if a player can kick a field goal of 55 yards or longer. The second one is to put something analogous to a shot clock when the booth, replay booth, buzzes down to the field, let a 180 seconds run off the clock, and if the replay booth hasn't made a ruling, then automatically after the expiration of 180 seconds, the ruling on the field stands and the game goes on, and (laughs) don't let Steve Smith and his elitist intelligentsia just drag a football game out for four hours. That's a great word. All right, but I need to learn it. Okay, you said elitist what? 
Intelligentsia. Okay. In, uh, do, am I saying it right? Intelligentsia? Yeah. That's right. That's I gotta, I've never, I don't know that word. I got to learn that word. Intelligentsia. Never, never been accused of that, have you? <laughs> Apparently not, Roger. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, just from the root word, I'm thinking it has something to do with intelligence. <laughs> I'm thinking it's the academic side of the school. <laughs> All right, Bill. Um, let's see what everybody thinks about it. And I'm going to repeat these. Two proposed rule changes. If you nail a field goal past 55 from 55 or longer, you get four points. And then the other one is put a time limit on the collaborative replay. That's And that's the two things you want to see, right? That's it. Okay. We'll see what people think. Y'all can uh, call and tell me what you think about Bill's rule proposal. Uh, on like he did on the Divinity Equipment phone at 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. Or you can text me on the text line at 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN. Or it's just same thing, 885-3776. You know, um, some of the, the, the drastic rule change ideas, they ought to experiment with those in this new XFL. That's what they ought to do. You know, work in collaboration somehow and experiment in those other leagues. Four point field goal be like the four point shot in the old MTV celebrity basketball games we used to get. Remember that? You could hit a four pointer. <laughs> they had this circle drawn Roger out on the court, and it's like not a half court shot, but kind of halfway in between half court and the three point line. And like you know, they'd have these celebrities and stuff out there playing and. Like Ice Cube is out, he'd go stand up on a four-point circle, and they'd pass it to him, and he'd heave it up there and see if he could make it. You know, it's kind of st- <laughs> they'd have a four-point shot in those basketball games. Um, and then booth time, you know, a time limit on the booth review would be great. I think that's something everybody would love. You know, the the problem is just like Bill said the elitist intelligentsia are going to say, well, then you're the ones that wanted us to review it and didn't trust us to get it right with our own eyes on the field. And now you want us to review it under a time limit with a ticking clock. That's, you know, I thought you wanted us to get the call, right? Why are we, somebody is going to say, why even have video replay and review? If we have to get it right within a certain time limit, the point of the whole thing is get it right. But, Bill, everybody would love to see this thing go faster. All of them, just about. They, they're getting better at it, I think. But still, man, you know, it just throws the brakes on the game and the action. And, you know, we go from screaming to yawning in the blink of an eye. Nick says, I'm against any rule that encourages more kicking. <laughs> Yeah, I, in college you have so few guys who can actually have any chance to hit a 55-yarder. The NFL kickers are phenomenal, man. I mean, they're 50-plus, and they are confident about it. But the college guys, what are you going to have? Like one, two kicks a year that are 55-plus? But if it would give you another point, would teams practice it more? Would they work on it more? I don't know. Scott says on the first proposal on the kicking thing for four points, he says no or, or nah. 
And then on the time limit on the booth review, he says yes. Miko says Bill's proposal for the four points for a field goal from 50-plus is like the institution of the three-point line. It could work. It is. I mean, it runs parallel with that idea. Farther away, you already get more points for it. But again, to be specific to what he suggested, 55 or longer. Now, let's see what this is all about. Bama in Madison on the text line. From 1986... Alabama has a losing record in Tuscaloosa against LSU. The record is 7-9. and nine. Alabama plays better in Baton Rouge with a winning record of 13-4. and four. Brings the Bama saying, quote, the Tide don't lose in Baton Rouge. Just a stat no one is talking about, and I did not know that. I didn't know. Alabama's record against LSU in Tuscaloosa in the last 16 matchups in Tuscaloosa, they are 7-9. and nine. LSU's won nine times in there. Gracious, I didn't know that. What about the last 10? Tell me about how many times they've won in there in the last 10, though. Because <laughs> a lot of those, Nick Saban wasn't coaching. Now he is. What about Burrow for Heisman? I'm going to ask you that question next. Think about it. Joe Burrow for Heisman. Are you there yet? Are you already there? Let me know. We'll get on that and some other stuff coming up. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. It just means more. Back on the show, I'm Matt, in the Farm Bureau studio. Thanks for tuning in. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Here on the show, I stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, where they are customer-inspired, a great Mississippi company. Holding in my hand right now as we speak my iPhone 8 Plus from C Spire. And, uh, it, you know, so if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, I'm always tweeting, uploading, you know, streaming phone. I use the phone for all of that. LTE, 4G, LTE, know what it's called? No, not 4G. It's, LTE is different than 4G. Anyway, LTE, connectivity, staying connected to you because of C Spire. So, speaking of Twitter, Roger, I saw this earlier today on Twitter. You may find this interesting. Let's just do this. Let's do a little um, theme song trivia. I, I have this game that I play with Neil Price on the road. Every now and then I'll pull out my iPhone or my iPad and I play him old theme songs to old TV shows, and he gets them all. Like, it's so hard to get one by him that he doesn't know. See if you recognize – well, I'll tell you what. I'll t- let's do, let me do it a different way. First of all. <laughs> you give people on the text a chance. Well, I could have. No, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to play it for you. Willie Nelson 
the Willie Nelson, country singer Willie Nelson, made a cameo appearance on this TV show in 1986 on this day. 1986. Miami Vice. You got it. Miami Vice. What were those guys' names? You mean Don Johnson? Well, I know Don. Oh, the the real characters? The characters they played. Crockett and somebody. Sonny? That's it. Sonny and Crockett. Which one was Don Johnson? Was he Sonny or Crockett? I think he was was Sonny. Was he Sonny? Okay. It's a great theme song, by the way. All right. Oh, wild Tubbs. time back in those days. No, man. somebody. Okay, we we got him wrong. It was James Crockett. It was. See, <laughs> look at the text line, Roger. Bulldog Blitz said Crockett and James Stubbs. James Sonny Crockett. I, I stand correct. He, he said Crockett and Stubbs, and, but it was actually Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> and then he corrected himself. All right, so Crockett and Tubbs on Miami Vice. Yes, on this day, November 7th, 1986, Willie Nelson was on Miami Vice. Listen. This fine must be the deal breaker. Can't you take it from him? Excuse me, but this is my deal. Now, you tell your boss if he don't come see me face-to-face, I'm going to sell his stuff on the street, and there won't be no 50-key deal. Now, you hit the ground running. And they're roughing him up. Willie Nelson was playing the part of like an Pretty old actor. of an old like crusty rogue policeman. <laughs> That's what that was his role. Whatever he, was, he plays, it had to be a rugged old crusty <laughs> something. Fill in the blank. <laughs> That's right. That was Willie Nelson on Miami Vice. Anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. That is great. Yeah. Bill and Madison. Michael Thomas was the other guy. That's right. Boy, you talking about getting Rico Tubbs. You you talking about getting upstaged by your co-star. <laughs> when your co-star is like you say the word Miami Vice and right now everybody goes Don Johnson. You know? That's it. Made those white uh linen suits popular. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. I I mean, who knew? You can see everybody Willie Nelson one of those cigarette boats. You can see Willie Nelson being on a TV show. You know, Duke's a hazard, <laughs> right? He was always good, though. I was, he was a great actor. Yeah, but Miami Vice, I just, you know, very versatile. <laughs> okay. Uh, over here on the text line, Jamie said he thinks that uh, Bill has a good idea. That's Jamie listening in Oxford. He said he thinks he has a good idea on the rules changes. Um, somebody said, just ask the rules expert on the broadcast. They get the call right in about 15 seconds after seeing the replay once. That's the thing, though. You must be sarcastic because he doesn't get it right. He disagrees with whatever the officials on the field does and then collects his check from the SEC network. Giant waste of space. And Matt, the former official, is is really – he was a good official. And he's, a, for by all accounts, a great guy. What's his name, Matt um, Austin? Is that his name? The former official retired who's now the – in studio analyst for the SEC Network, great guy and was a good official. But all in the you can watch it. All in the world he's doing, he can't make up his mind. All in the world he does is just agree with whatever they say on the field every time, and then go get his check in the mailbox. You want to cross that black and white line? I mean, it's such a joke. Backbone people. You know, zebras in the wild stick together too. Yeah. <laughs> 
off to themselves. Don't get along with anybody else. Yeah, they're always getting chased. Things with teeth. <laughs> they, they deserve it. Nick Saban is ten and three against LSU. Yeah, see, there's your deal now. That's what really matters. Nick Saban is ten and three against LSU. Speaking of Nick Saban, he met with ESPN. I say met with him. He did an interview. Um, about this upcoming game this weekend? I don't know how else I can say it, guys. I've said it three different occasions. Well, then I guess I have to say it. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. I've said this <laughs> over and over and over. I'm sorry. I played the wrong sound clip, Roger. Wrong clip there, man. Oops. Darn. No, I- speculate and create things, and then you want people to respond to it. We bowling, baby. <laughs> we love him. Now, here's the real sound clip. This he, he actually did an interview yesterday with ESPN. Being consistent, game time decision. As you sit here now, what are your expectations for tomorrow? I don't really have any. You know, I, I what I've been trying to focus on is make sure that we get both guys ready to play um, as best we can um, because we really and truly don't know. And I'm not going to put Tua in a situation that could be detrimental to him or his future relative to his physical circumstance. So that's going to be a consideration as well. What did he say? He's day to day and there's a chance. He did tell them that there is a, you know, looking like a greater and greater chance that Tua plays this weekend, but he just said in that clip there that it's day to day and relative to this and that and the other he always loves to use the word relative to or the phrase relative to this and relative to that. Have you ever noticed that? He loves to say that. <laughs> anyway, so I think the update is nothing. Not much, but that he must be progressing if he's willing to come out and say, which he did say in, in another part of the interview. He, he did say, you know, it's looking more and more like he's got a chance to play this weekend. So they're Wouldn't monitoring he say it. that anyway, like you said yesterday? I kind of feel like he would, Keep yeah. them guessing. Keep them guessing. Why would you, you know, strike one thing? I, I did notice, I wanted you to hear it again. There's He talks about it at the beginning of it, though, when he said he has no expectations. Listen to how quickly he responds to that. Being consistent, game-time decision. As you sit here now, what are your expectations for time? I don't really have any. You know, I, I, now, been- you may think that is really insignificant, but I don't. I've done some reading. Bama in Madison, you're probably an Alabama fan. You may know where I'm going with this about the whole process. But if you pay attention, you can find online a lot of times where Nick Saban will have given a speech or something about what the process has included for them in Alabama and at LSU and the way he looks at process as opposed to end results. And part of that is in nothing. Does he carry an expectation for a final result? Now, I know it sounds so counterintuitive to, okay, the expectation is that you win a game. You're a coach. You're a player. You know, you're in sports. You go and win. You know, the expectation is to win the game. But Saban's approach in everything is he has, he says, they say, and the way he defines the process is they completely eliminate the expectation of a certain result, and they only look at what steps they are supposed to take according to the process. Just do like, everything right. Do every little thing right, right in front of your nose, and the end result takes care of itself. Follow, follow. yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Very zen.
It is very zen, but I and that's why I say I think he's trained that way, and it's I'm not surprised. Immediately he went, I really don't have any expectation. Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Just a bit ago, who who typed this? FFA Dog on the text line said, Matt, will you talk about Coach Moorhead's upcoming recruiting class? That's a request from FFA Dog. Hey, man, I'm one step ahead of you. I reached out earlier to Paul Jones from jeanspage.com and 24-7 Sports, and lo and behold, here he is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. And, uh, hey, Paul, just for fun, Roger and I, we're not going to say Paul. We're going to say Paul during the interview today. Is that okay? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure you've gotten that before, uh, joking with, with all these idiot media guys you hang out with all the time. I'm sure that they <laughs> – <laughs> they've messed with you, but it's good to talk to you. Hey, yeah, listen, um, I don't know. When I when I texted you yesterday, I just kind of had it on my mind. I was thinking about, you know, recruiting. We probably need to have a conversation about, on this show anyway, for our listeners to, to, to kind of get an update. But I want to start you with, overall, if you were to look at from the day he got here until right now, how would you classify how recruiting is going and has been going just overall under Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State? You know, I think he. I think the best way to say it is he's holding steady the way it was before he got here. I think one difference between him and Mullen um, recruiting classes, I think, and I say this before this class ends, but I think there's a little bit more balance uh, in the way Joe Moorhead recruits as far as all positions across the board Mm -hmm. and I think he has I don't want to say Matt he's extended the footprint Mm -hmm. but he's gone after guys in different areas for example uh, Benjamin Key that plays Juco football in Los Angeles he's a, a Samoan originally from Australia I mean, there's all kind of guys like that out there yeah. in every recruiting class. And Mississippi State never went after those guys, not much beforehand. But, you know, that, those are types of situations I think Mississippi State should look more into because, Matt, just being honest here, a guy from Australia does not have perceived notions about recruiting. Yeah. Um, you know, an offer from Alabama or an offer from – Illinois is the same to him. Mm. You know, no disrespect to any of those schools, but, and they find they fit and they're going to stick and they're going to be loyal. And, um, you know, I think they got a good pickup with being key, but I think one difference this year is heavy Juco, but you knew they needed that at the wide receiver, the defensive line position. They need more experience, more age there. But if you take those two classes out of it, he's recruited JUCOs about the same as he has the previous couple of years. Um, but obviously you needed a, a, a re, I don't want to say a redo of sorts, but you just needed more A's on that defensive line. Yeah. Paul Jones on your radio right now. I know that, you know, you guys at Jeans Page and 24 7, y'all are covering Mississippi State, but therefore, almost by osmosis, you keep up with and see what other schools are doing too. But, 
What about in comparison to Ole Miss? That's always the the head-to-head battle we get in this state. So for for State and, you know, recruiting under Moorhead, what about going head-to-head and in comparison to what Ole Miss has been doing in that same time frame? You know, I was having that conversation with somebody the other day about how, I don't want to say weird because it comes in cycles, Matt, but we have not seen those full-fledged, head-on-head Mississippi State Ole Miss fights for recruits like we used to see. Uh, I think Ole Miss is also having to go heavy Juco this year. and uh, But as far as in-state guys, it, it almost seems like those, those guys make their decisions early. And then every now and then, Ole Miss will still be messing with a Mississippi State commit or vice versa. And you've got a couple of those down the line. But, you know, we haven't seen the Chris Jones, the Channing Ward, stuff like that in, in quite a while. Yeah. You know, uh, I think you could probably throw Jeffrey Simmons in there, but obviously Jeffrey had everybody up in the country after it, too, for obvious reasons. But, you know, this year, for example, of the kids that are not committed left in the state, I guess you could say maybe Xavier Hill, offensive lineman from Olive Branch, he still has State no Miss among his final five. Uh, but, man, that's about it right now. It's just not that head-to-head, and it's almost like the lines have been drawn where Ole Miss gets their guys out of their normal territories, and the same goes for Mississippi State in this year's class. Yeah. What about quarterback? Do you read the tea leaves, and is there anybody that you feel like they – because they're going to have to sign, a, what, at least one, maybe multiple quarterbacks? If, if I'm just looking at the roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of a wait and see right now. Obviously, Will Rogers from Brandon. He's okay. been committed since January, and um, right. he will he will be an early enrollee, so he will be here in a couple months uh, for good. And and the thought process, Matt, has been all along that it was going to be a one quarterback class. But you know the day and age we live in now, mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to enter the portal. Um, and I think it's a safe bet that Keaton Thompson will enter the portal again. Uh, his name may still be in there, but you know he, he he's probably going to transfer, and I think. If another quarterback transfers, obviously that would be Jalen Mate. Uh, you know, I haven't heard one way or the other. I've heard most people think that he'll be back. But uh, I think if somehow he made a decision to leave, and like I said, I have not heard that at all, then maybe you go get a Juco quarterback for depth. Um, but like I said, that, that's something that, that you'll have to confirm, and we'll have to see what happens in time with that. Well, and I, I guess, too, Paul, the other side of that is – just like that great quote from Moorhead, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away, is you know, other Division One quarterbacks with eligibility left are going to be jumping into that transfer portal between now and January. And yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's amazing how, how different it is from, you know, your day. Yeah. I mean, you, you used to search for quarterbacks for depth that you could develop and maybe um, obviously you and Wayne and those guys played early in your career, but you know, it used to be guys would, would wait their time until their junior or senior season. I remember when Florida State was in their heyday and they were turning the starting quarterback every three or four years. They would they would roll them in there and they'd start their junior season and then flip the pace to another junior three years later. But uh I get it, but a lot of a lot of these guys are not being patient enough, especially these guys that are backup quarterbacks, because man injuries happen all the time. Uh, it could be your your team by the end of the year. You never know, but uh, man, that's got to 
creates so many headaches when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks these days. Sure. Uh, Paul Jones on Twitter, uh, y'all can give him a follow. He is at PJ247. Gosh, Paul, am I getting it right? It's it's PJ247. Yeah, sports is at the end of it. Okay, I just I need to click on it there. At PJ247sports, uh, which is obviously uh, uh, this has been a part of the 24-7 network for a long time. So y'all give him a follow if you don't already. Position of need for Mississippi State, and and I'll follow that up with: Do they? I mean, is it? Are we looking at you trying to get a full class before this December signing day? I think obviously the goal is to sign as many as you can in December. I think they're in a wait and see at linebacker. Right now, they just have one linebacker committed, and that's Juco guy, uh, Tyrus Week from Colleen. Mm. But you got to wait and see what Willie Gay and Errol Thompson do. And, and that, that may amp up things in January and February for the second signing day. Or you may go into portal and look for a graduate transfer at linebacker in the spring and summer period. Um, to me, what's left is to get a couple more linebackers, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, and then see where you stand there. Okay. As I'm looking at it here, at least on 24-7, it shows the commitment list as having five defensive linemen on that list right now, which, you know, Paul, that's that's priority number one in this class, isn't it? It is. It is because, you know, I've been pleased with the development of uh, Baby and Lovett and Jaden Crumity this year. I think Nathan Pickering is starting to mm-hmm. – get more reps with more experience. So that, that gives you a good foundation. You still got James Jackson in there, some other freshmen, Cameron Young, Devon Robinson. Uh, and we're talking interior here. Uh, but on the outside, you're still going to have experience back, but you need to start plugging away at some high school guys and bring in some more experience with Juco guys, which they've done with Jordan Davis and Trey Lawson. But, you know, I, I don't think it was ever a matter of sheer numbers. Uh, on the defensive line, because you've seen that group this year. It, it is what we knew it was going to be. It was going to be inexperienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul, I really appreciate some time, man, very much. Uh, hey, uh, enjoy the open weekend. Oh, yeah, we got hoops, though. We got hoops Friday night. Hoops Friday night. What you got? Women's basketball on Saturday. Saturday, yep. So, it's that uh, time of year, man. <laughs> it's doubling up, yeah. I'd just be glad you live there, I guess, because yeah, it'd be tough if you were an hour away. Uh, exactly. Speaking from experience. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, man. Paul Jones, y'all follow him on Twitter at PJ247Sports. So there you go. You get a very in-depth answer to your question, FFA dog. They have in the commitment list right now 21 guys for state. Five defensive linemen, three offensive linemen, three receivers, three DBs. One linebacker, one running back, one quarterback. And a quarterback, as you heard Paul say, is Will Rogers from Brandon. All right, hour two coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. 